0: The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411 That's COMPEL to 411-321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1- Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Welcome to the Influencer's Edge. This is the place where you come to get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques to leapfrog over the pack in sales, persuasion, and influence. Be sure you visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com. And while you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now sit back, tune in, and enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome back to The Influencers Edge. And today, I want you to hold on to the seat of your pants and get ready for one hell of a ride because our guest is a real live wire. <laughs> and I am talking then none about none other than the fabulous Wanda Toro Torini. Toro Toro means bull, does it not?
1: Bull, yes. Or actually do bulls go I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh no, that's that's tigers. tora tora, tora means oh, no.
1: tiger.
0: Uh So I'm just thrilled to have Wanda on. Wanda is, I consider a friend and one of my coaches and trainers and teachers. And we always have such a good time when we meet for our sessions. <laughs> we so, do. Let me tell you about some things about Wanda. I can read off the biography. I will a little bit. So Wanda Toro Torini is also known as Dr. Wanda. Why do they call you Dr. Wanda, Wanda, Wanda? <laughs>
1: I do have a doctorate in pharmacy, so in a previous life, I, i well, I mean, I have a doctorate, so I'm doctor, but a lot of my friends will just say, Dr. Wanda, and then ask me all sorts of healthcare questions and such, but I'm also a super nerd, so
0: well, <laughs> it what still does that applies. Mean? Everyone says they're a nerd, what is that, you collect comic books, what does that mean?
1: <laughs> no, i I think I'm a nerd because I'm super analytical very, very analytical person. And so I really, um, inherently curious, but I definitely kind of pull things apart. I'm a problem solver. So I, I tend to nerd out on things cool. and I like it.
0: Yeah. You're also super creative. We'll talk about that. Yeah. You're a dynamic.
1: He's
0: going to break out the song, by the way, you are, uh, a singer are you not and an
1: i am i am are you yes. gonna give us
0: uh belt out a little in <laughs> oklahoma if we ask nicely <laughs>
1: <laughs> i don't know i'm not sure oklahoma is my my style i'm more right. like a right. you All know right. let's get I on the vibe kind of gal
0: no more horseplay one <laughs> uh, is a dynamic entrepreneur inventor and the host of the rocket fuel podcast her texting platform catchwords.com Helps experts who speak and do media interviews connect with their anonymous fans. We're going to get that defined. And stop leaving money on the table. That's certainly we all want to learn about that. yeah. Mm -hmm. She is a unique combo of super analytical and super creative. (laughs) And is a rock star in marketing and audience engagement. And uh, I don't need to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Man, oh man. Okay. (laughs) All right. So Wanda. Yeah. Let's dive in here. Mm. You do something called catchwords. Can you tell us a little bit about how you came up with catchwords and what it does and how it, you talk, uh, I I don't want to mix questions up, but you talk about how entrepreneurs and business and salespeople can stop giving charity talks. Mm. Which is the problem I came to deal with. So let's talk about what is catchwords and how did you create it and what does it do for people?
1: Yeah, yeah. So um so I'll kind of start with the problem because I think it's important for people to recognize the the issue first, right? So I used to speak in front of live audiences when I was running my consulting firm, but anybody that's an experienced speaker or teacher knows the feeling of sharing their expertise and seeing people with like the glisten in their eye and they're taking notes and they're excited. They're maybe even taking pictures of your slides, right? And so you see them and, and there's this frustration of like, ah, I wish I knew who the hell you were, right? Because those are people that you can serve. And so traditionally, you know, we've been kind of stuck in this situation where we give, 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 we're kind of um our hearts get full, right? But not necessarily our wallets, because we walk out with a little or sometimes no, no leads at all. Now if when you're a service-minded expert, um, impact driven, you, you tend to go a, a little longer with being fulfilled by the fact that you love that people were impacted by your message. Right. But what happens that after a while is if you can't actually connect it to business revenue, if you can't actually know that if it it 's impacting your bottom line you 're ultimately going to stop doing it, and that 's a shame because there are people that that need you so um, so that was something that I experienced, and I call those people anonymous fans, right the people that are taking pictures of your slides and and all of that stuff and um, and and we needed to resolve it. The only way we currently or pre catchwords resolved it were through you know, traditional calls to action, right? You, you may offer your email address or, or a link or, um, or send people to your social page or whatever, but none of those are really, really effective. And, um, and so I invented catchwords, which is essentially a, a, it's a texting platform. It, uh, it, a catchword is a textable keyword. It allows people to text for information. Audience to, to do that, they get it immediately in their e- email inbox. And um, what I love is that I felt that it extended the impact of my talk. Right? It's like you you influence people, you you inspire them, and then it sucks to have them inspired and not do anything about it.
0: I hate that. I, I feel like I've gone on a first date and paid for dinner and everything seemed well. And then I get no second
1: date. Yeah.
0: It's like a date and I get ghosted, but you're sort of removing the ghosting from the whole sales process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You're saying, Hey, if you were interested, let's connect and you're doing it in a really authentic way because you're offering them a piece of information that's typically an extension of your talk, right? You're not saying, Hey, text this for 20% off. It's it, it, we find that the response rates aren't as good with that. But if you say, Hey, I wish I had enough time. Um, but if you're interested in this, then I created an X, Y, Z, and this is how you can receive it. And if, can I share an example of a catch Okay. So, um, Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Cause you have it. Right. But um, so I usually in my appearances, in my talks, I'll share my guide to how to transform your talk into a lead gen machine. Right. So it's just, it's strategies that I, that I utilize to be able to get up to 76% of my audiences texting when I was doing in-person presentations. So I share that with the audience and for your influencers' edge, folks, they're definitely going to want this, right? Because this is how you influence your audience to engage with you more. So you can um, receive this by texting leads to four one one three two one. That's L E A D S to four one one three two one. If you're in the U.S. and um, we work outside of the U.S. too, so if you're outside, you can uh, use WhatsApp and text leads L E A D S to the number one nine zero nine seven four one one three two one. But that's basically how it works. It'll ask them for your e- their email address. They put it in and voila, right there, bam, in their email inbox. And it serves them immediately. So if you guys are intrigued already, if Paul gives me the the permission, I'll share it a little bit later as well. But pull out your phone and and, and receive it because if you do speak in front of live audiences, do podcasts, interviews, and stuff like that, this is at least going to kind of help you um, improve your game whether or not you have the tool but um if you have the tool then you can actually measure if your game was improved right how do you know it's not just a hunch because when you're a good speaker you have that hunch so you're like yeah damn, that was good right you, you walk out like you need a cup of
0: coffee to get your energy up
1: you're like- <laughs> <laughs> i'm, I'm such cardboard. a snoozer yeah <laughs> <laughs> No, but the point is like, you can't, you can't deal with it. The adrenaline is not enough to tell you that it it impacted your bottom line. You need something that measures that. And that, that's what we do with catchwords.
0: Right. And you said an interesting statistic to me. I don't remember the how I first connected with you. I'm trying to think about it, but Email the email open rates when people on average when people opt into your texting system is enormous. It's gob dropping It's my uh <laughs> my British. Yeah.
1: So it, it was kind of weird when we started um looking at that because the the initial uh, metric that we were looking at was just how much of, of the audience was actually texting my catchword, because essentially that was how many email addresses I got and I thought, whoo, that's good enough. And then the second metric we realized was, oh, well, let's see what the email open rates are, because then that tells me like, do they really care or is the, is the piece resonating with them? Are they even reading it? Right. And um, our average email open rate is 150%, which is really, now that cool. makes
0: no, what does that mean? How can I? Right.
1: They- <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make sense. And when I looked at it as the nerdy girl, I was like, Whoa! you talking about, Willis, right? Um, <laughs> and um, 150% means that on average, a subscriber You <laughs> shaking your head at me. Who are you, who are you shaking your head at? I'm no. laughing. That's a
0: reference to a 70s show different strokes. So.
1: Oh, absolutely. I love it. I love it. But, um, but it means on average, a subscriber opens it up one and a half times, right? And that makes sense because they'll text it, and they'll typically open it up on their phone to make sure that they they got it, and then they check it out. They'll read the email. They maybe open up the PDF, get a little scan, get an idea as to whether it's worth really reading. And so, what I want, um, what I would like to share with the audience mm-hmm. is what's really important is um, when people are making uh, difficult decisions or spending a lot of money on a purchase they will typically research it on a desktop or a laptop, not on the phone. Mm -hmm. So this came out of like research a long, long time ago when I was evaluating uh, texting because I was originally doing this in, in the healthcare industry, right? So what was interesting is recognizing that it was actually really important that they opened it up more than once because the first time we know that they're consuming it on their phone, and it's a more cursory consumption of information, right? Right. But when you know you really want to study something, you look at it on your big screen, right? And so, like as I'm saying it, it makes sense. But the numbers actually prove that because now we know if somebody's really digging in deep, when like when we have catchwords for healthcare companies, those averages are usually over 200, right? I've had 200, 300, even 600 percent op- email open rates. But that's because that piece of information is so important that the person consumes it over and over again, they study it, they may even share it with other people, right. So the numbers just confirm the the behavior. And so we we like to help our clients actually get better numbers, right? And and by thinking of of what type of content they provide, the format that they provide it to make it consumable and make somebody want to actually open it up on their bigger screen, if that makes sense.
0: It makes it makes tons of sense. And one of the things I find very interesting about what you do is what do you call these? Uh, you call it with the follow up emails, so they opt in they text opt-in, they give their email address, and then they receive a series of like five emails spaced out over time.
1: Yeah, so we have three different types of, of, of programs based on, you know, what the speaker's comfort level is or commitment to speaking is, right, or teaching, I like to say, because typically the people that work with me love, love to teach, and yeah. so um, you can have like just a catchword, and you know one time you provide one piece of information, you get their email address, you deliver that one pdf and and then you 're done with our platform. you can take it offline onto like regular email marketing after that right um, but the thing is because we have such amazing email open rates, which makes sense right. Um, to To try and use the platform for more communication, so we do have a, a higher level program that basically says, "Okay, ha- expert, how about you create four or five value bombs?" I like to call it like the PDF uh, yeah. that people actually get. Right i I like to put it in the expert's mind, like this has to be a value bomb where when the person reads it, they're literally like, "Thank you," because you're texting them about it, right? So when you do that, they've texted. Let's say you text leads, right? And then, let's say in five days you get a follow up from me, right? Now, in order to, to get the follow up, I'm going to send you a text and say, "Hey, check your email. I just sent you five tips to think of to consider in your next podcast interview, right?" So I sent you a text, and if I'm going to send you a text, it better be good, because otherwise I'm going to unsubscribe, right? right. Wow. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so a lot of people with email they tend to send just a lot of stuff um, because the email open rates are so little or so s- small um, and they flood the email inbox. And what happens is all of us, we, we stop seeing it, right? Because it's just so much. We stop seeing the content. So I tell my clients, I'm like, just because you have access to te- they're texting, you don't want to text them so much that they stop seeing it, right? You want it to be parsed out. But then every time you do it, it should be like, bam, a value bomb. So that when they get a text from Paul Ross, they're going to be like, damn, I know he's going to drop some major value, which is why we call it a value bomb. Um, so that's what you're talking about. And you could, you could do a series, a uh, follow-up series uh, based on that. And then those get like a higher, uh, an average of like 95% email open rate, which is still amazing. But that's because we send them a tickler text saying, hey, check it out you've already probably from the first time you've probably established that you're going to respect their email inbox. Right. So if you drop value, then the second time they're going to be like, Ooh, I want, I want to open it again and again. So it's, it's interesting psychologically, but the technology just affirms what we kind of um, had a hunch around. Uh, but in marketing, there's a lot of hope market. Like basically when you go out and speak, it's hope marketing.
0: I hate that. It's true. And I don't want people don't want to hear it, but it's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. And and the thing is it's not, it's at least supported psychologically based on, you know, influence and how well you speak. And, you know, there are psychological principles that that affirm if you do talks, if you do a commercial, you know, that it, it has a, a return. But it's really interesting even in, in healthcare for a really long time it was difficult and actually it's still kind of difficult to confirm if for example, a direct to consumer ad, like a, a drug ad actually influences sales because the patient doesn't, doesn't buy the drug directly, right? Like if it's a prescription drug, right. Um, they can only see if, if the doctor prescriptions yeah. go, go up, but it influences because then the patient gets educated and then the patient can actually go to the doctor and say, Hey, I have a sinus infection, can you give me a ZPAC or something, you know what I mean? And, and they say over 90% of the time, if you ask your doctor, the doctor will give it to you if it's appropriate. So if there are other options, so that's how it works. But the point is that we know that sharing a message influences, but it, it has been difficult to measure, but with a catchword, you can actually measure it.
0: And I think the really important thing in any kind of whether, so whether you're a professional salesperson listening to this or a speaker or an entrepreneur, the really important thing I found in sales, and I'd like to get your feedback on this, is staying in that conversation, getting your people to stay in the conversation that just because we did a fantastic presentation. A fantastic teaching session and i used to find this to be the case and you really had to sit on me uh i i like to fire hose people and give everything i have and and as teachers and people who are as you say service minded and impact driven i believe that's how you put it maybe i got it opposite yes you yep. want to give everything but then the the problem is there's nothing the people say oh wow that's an amazing teacher not i want to get more how do i stay in the conversation so I think what you've got is a technology that allows people to stay in the conversation with you. And at the same time, it makes it easy for them to do that instead of getting flooded with email and spend. I really very rarely read my email. Unless it's from someone who I already know because yeah. I'm on so many lists.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And one other thing is that we could say, you know, conceptually, the idea of, um, of serving somebody with a piece of, of, of information and kind of showing your expertise by giving them the piece of information is is seen in the digital world as a, a, a what they call lead magnet, right? Where if you go onto a website and you're like, hey, if you want this guide, this checklist or whatever, just put in your email address, right? Um, what I do want to point out is in the spirit of of influence, right, um, to talk through the dynamic of a lead magnet and a value bomb because a lead magnet assumes a cold interaction. And a lot of times, uh, essentially, the lead magnet is really looking just to get an email address so that they can get in your email inbox and then Hopefully they resonate with you. It's kind of like a, hopefully they resonate with you, but let me just get, get, get them in my email inbox, right? So what happens, it's a, it's a quantity game, not a quality ga- game. So when it's a quantity game, a lot of times people will put as a lead magnet, something that is a little too general. Like I know I knew one, one person um, was in the financial services kind of uh, realm, but really specifically helping businesses, get money and funding for their businesses, right? And so as a lead magnet online, he was putting out like a business plan template, which is like super general, right? So uh, of course, you're getting a bunch of leads for a business template, but they're not like the right leads, for who he was looking for. So now you kind of, you're wasting time on a lot of people and you're kind of wondering, well, why aren't these people booking a call or why aren't these people even reading it or my emails or whatever? It's just too general. So lead magnets kind of assume a cold audience and typically it's like, hey, how many leads can we get? With a value bomb, you're really, you have a more refined piece of bait, right?
0: I love that. Essentially,
1: right? Which is where like catch came from, the concept of fishing, right? And either you go and say, Hey, I'm just going to offer like a general thing because I want to catch a lot of fish, but most of those fish aren't fish that you're going to eat. Or, you know, like, Oh, it's not just a bass. I want a wide mouth bass or very specific. And what exactly is, if there are a whole (laughs) bunch of bass, what is a wide mouth bass going to actually want? Right. And so, Thinking of that, the value bomb is more specific, but it also assumes that there was an appearance beforehand. So when you use a catchword, you're assuming that you're sharing the catchword in an appearance. So people already got to know you. They got to like you and you already kind of shared a little bit of your your wisdom, right? So they're gaining a little bit of trust. So what you offer as the value bomb can be a little bit more sophisticated because it's considered almost like a part two of your talk. Does that make sense?
0: It does. If someone is doing a teaching or speaking engagement, how do they, how can I put this? And I've had some speaking mentors before and they talk about the difference between a how talk where you tell people this is the problem, this is how you solve it Mm -hmm. so there is the teaching talk where you're teaching them how and then there is what you call the fishing talk so can you go a little bit into the structure of the fishing talk uh, what that would look like for for people and by the way this is useful uh, if you're doing webinars if you're doing webinars online this is also extremely useful way to stay in the conversation the same structure of uh fishing talk works. Can you unpack what a fishing talk is?
1: Yeah. So from a, a strategic perspective, it, it just, it's the same experience, but you're literally thinking about it differently because now you have identified what indicates success. Right. And so when you know that um, your goal in a fishing talk is to catch your ideal prospects in that pond. Right. You're going to be really specific because it's not about just the number you want to expend your time and effort on the really good people that have resonated with you. So you're going to say different things in your fishing talk to establish um, who it is that you serve, to explain the problem, to really define um. Uh, a situation that's very specific and will be very appetizing for the right person. So, literally, if you're speaking to 100 people, but five people are like the right, right person, right? Those are the people that you want to catch because you're typically trying to. Uh, folks that use catchwords are typically um, typically have higher end products, right? Higher service products, and so you know, getting five people, and if one of them potentially buys your five thousand dollar. program, that's like an awesome, awesome return, right? So you don't necessarily want to just have everybody text. And so what happens is that when you prepare that talk, you're not going to just generally like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do this, this, this. And then it, it was beneficial for everybody, right? You're going to actually talk about a very specific problem. You're going to speak to a very specific part of the audience. You're going to say, if this resonates with you, you're going to qualify it, right? You're going to create um, anticipation by by saying, I wish I had enough time, but I don't, right? But Which we never do as experts, right? but I don't, but I did create this. If this resonates with you, I created this. So it's like all these qualifiers. So when they text, you know, that they digitally raise their hand. Right. right?
0: Multiple times. They've done it multiple times.
1: Yeah. 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 And so sometimes um, I, I tell clients that if they had low numbers, it's okay if they if they did everything, if they, the, the delivery was as intended, it's okay because that meant they actually parsed out the people that are worth taking to the next level, right? Um, but you can have low numbers because, oh, you fumbled on how to share it or you didn't share what your value bomb is, right? Some people are like, hey, like if I were like, just text LEADS. To 411321 because you're gonna learn about leads, right? Like like you have to care about what it is that you're texting about. Yes. And um, so some people don't spend enough time on selling the value of the of the value bomb. Um and such. It's it's this is I where I nerd out.
0: Meta value. Yeah, right. meta value, the meta M-E-T-A. Yeah. The value, the value I love the metaphor of fishing. I had when I was first studying neurolinguistic programming, which is, you know, I've been doing for 30 years, I'm an expert in it.
1: Yeah, a pro. Oh, and no, and, and I, and I have I had a an
0: mentor. And magic. I said, what's the essence of, of how you do influence persuasion? He so said, I view it as fishing. But see, here's the thing, Paul. Most people, they feel that bite and that tug in the line. They immediately start reeling. And the fish feels that tug, breaks the line and off, it swims. I feel the tug and what I do is I start reeling myself to the fish. So the fish never feels any tension. It stays relaxed until I get close enough to scoop it up, throw it in the boat, club it, get it and eat it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh my God. But it is true. That is where, um, when, if you've seen a presentation that, um, is it could be like at a networking event or something where where people don't expect something to be sold. Okay. This is really important for you to understand like your pond, right? Understand what's the expectation of the environment that you're going to be in. And so they come in and they're a guest speaker at a networking event. And then they're like, well, um, my system right now is going to pass around a piece of paper. And if you want to take advantage of this 997 offer, I just created for you guys, whatever. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, like, you're thrown off and, and, and people may, may actually kind of be turned off. They're not, they weren't in a buying state of mind. They weren't, that's not what they were there for. So they're not ready to make that decision. And like 9.9 times out of 10, they take the piece of paper, even if they have the intention and then they don't do it. Right. So what happens is a small percentage of the people may say yes, but you have no idea of all of the other people that took that piece of paper and were like, mm, maybe, but I- I'm not ready to commit, right? No, no idea. So I tell people like, so that's essentially kind of like pulling on the hook really quickly, right? Like nah. your talk was engaging and people were like, nibble, 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 nibble. And then you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and now now- buy my
0: 995 <laughs> system. And <as laughs> you act today, you'll get this total value for you today $375,135,000. But in the next 10 minutes, I'll take 900% off. Yeah, we've all seen
1: right. it. Right, right. And I, think
0: and, the, and I think the paradox is our audiences are more hip to that stuff and they also have less attention span to pay attention to it. That's why a 25-minute presentation, I think, can or a 30-minute presentation can be a lot more riveting than something that goes on for 45 minutes and then you do a pitch
1: yeah yeah now keep in mind that we have now been been trained to know for example if we're going on to a a digital webinar right off of a youtube ad or something like that we know there's an expectation that there's going to be a sale around that so that's fine right and i still incorporate a catchword. In that process, because I don't even if I know all the people that logged into my Zoom, I like in the middle of my presentation to offer a piece of content that I, I, I can't offer within the half hour, 45 minutes, however long the mm-hmm. webinar is, because I want to see how many people were engaged because those people are hotter than the people that just signed up. Right. So you have the people that signed up for the webinar, the people that showed up to the webinar, the people that texted your catch word which stayed and and raised their hand saying hmm this is intriguing then the people that bought and those are different segments and you right. can treat them right you know,
0: absolutely and i th- i think the thing is is if you don't offer the opportunity for them to opt in and get something that's perceived as high value and free then you're going to lose everyone who doesn't buy at the end of the pitch. What you're saying is you can do both. You can yes. slide into the middle of your sale, this offer to get something free, but that's not going to affect their decision to buy. They're not going to say, well, wait, let me check out the free thing before I buy.
1: No, no, it's, it's literally more, you want to make sure that it's, it's a piece of information that that doesn't, that is it. You don't want it to be something that, um, is a contingent, right, upon the, the purchase. So it's, it, it is important to think about that. I think it's a fair question. And when you, when you dro- decide what the value bomb is that you're going to uh, gonna drop, um, I think it's good to ask yourself that question. Usually my thing is like, this is something um, that you're going to find value in. And for me, you're going to find value in it. But if you have a catchword, it's going to be even more valuable. Right. So here here are, are tips and tricks on, on on what to do in your next talk. But if you have a catchword, it's going to amplify it. Right. Um, So so I think it's a very, very good question that that you mentioned and, and you should be uh, aware of that. But I have not found it to to be an issue in, in reducing people saying yes at the end. But I also want to go back to. Um, to what I was saying before and people being aware of, of what the environment is that they're presenting in. And, um, and some folks may say like, well, I don't want to present at this networking event because I'm not allowed to sell. Right. But you can generate a lot of leads from that, that you can take, take into a selling conversation.
0: A lot of leads. I want to turn this around. Back to you because I want. This is something that I would like to ask you, setting aside the catchwords expert thing and the rest of it. Uh-huh. You are both incredibly analytical and unbelievably creative, left and right brain. I want to know a little bit about that. Which one did you discover? Early on, did you early on? Did you know you had both of these things or or did one pop to the forefront before the other?
1: Yeah, I was very creative from from the beginning. Like I I wanted to be a a performer. Um, I danced and my mom would say I was an actress probably since I was like two or three. (laughs) you know um so yes yeah, so i i had that creative um aspect of me through through high school um i realized i did very well in in science and math and i was in my ap courses and um and then i went to pharmacy school go figure so this is interesting because um i truly Desired to be a performer, but I didn't know how. And my view of what that meant was that I was basically going to have to be poor and eat macaroni and cheese for the rest of my life, right? And and my family struggled. We financially struggled a lot. My dad and my mom came out of Hell's Kitchen in New York City. Um, they worked their butts off. And my dad, both of them but my dad um would still work in the city and he decided to move us to upstate new york so sometimes his commute was two three hours one way um to offer us that life because he didn't want us to live in in new york city as it was back then right new york city now it's like oh but back then he 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 was like i don't want that world for for my children so he sacrificed a lot and and we experienced a lot of financial hardship um as a result of that and so I aspired to be able to make what my dad did worth it and, and have a really financially stable, not even stable. I wanted to be very well off financially, be able to give back to my parents. And so in my mind, I felt like being a performer was not um, a guaranteed way to do it. I didn't have a path, but I knew that if I went to school and, and, um you know, got maybe an advanced degree or whatever that I could do it. And somebody told me about pharmacy school. And, um and somebody told me about law. So this is interesting. So they're like, well, because I wanted to be a lawyer, I thought it was like dramatic, like objection, you know, that this is what I was, I wasn't thinking about reading and being like, you know, I was just like, I was going to be the star in court. <laughs> and um. but then somebody had told me about uh, being a pharmacist and that if I was a pharmacist and then I went to law school, I would always have that pharmacist degree to go back to become a lawyer and I could be a pharmaceutical lawyer. And, and back then, there's I don't know if you remember, you probably do the, the big like Tylenol lawsuit.
0: Yes, I do.
1: Right. So it was,
0: that didn't come on. It was exactly
1: come on. the tampering. Yeah, exactly. So in my mind, I'm like, wow, I could be one of those lawyers and blah, you know, whatever. So I go to into pharmacy school. I'm a super nerd. So I get into pharmacy school. I take my first law class and I want to vomit. I'm like, this is so boring. This is so not dramatic. And so I decided that law wasn't for me and I stuck with the whole pharmacy thing. And that's what started honing in my analytical skills, all of a sudden I realized like the whole problem solving um, aspect of things. I, I had a great affinity for, uh, but I still used my, um, my personality and my communication skills when I was interacting with patients yeah. because I was able to take something super complicated and make it really uh, yeah. approachable. So that's how it kind of started, started to come together.
0: And I think the most important thing that our audience would like to hear is a little bit of a Broadway tune. So can you belt it? Oh
1: boy! Oh <laughs> boy! Oh, oh, I wasn't even prepared. Um, let's see what I like to put
0: I... my guest on the spot. So belt <laughs> it out.
1: You did. You did. Um, mm-hmm. I. Oh my goodness! No, you see, so I'm a belter. Mm -hmm. um and uh a belter usually you know has like some gutsy tunes so
0: we'll let you take take a pass should you decide to become (laughs) with clients she promises to give you an extra session where all she does
1: there's no business like show business but that's my very like yeah but usually i'm like
0: that's a good eject button like i'm i'm in trouble let me go to (laughs) Juan, <laughs> so, Wanda, is there anything else our audience should know about what you do?
1: Uh, I, gosh, there's so much to it. What was really exciting um, and interesting to realize is that even though I developed this technology out of need, right, it, it was essentially a marketer that said, hey, I, there are anonymous fans out there. Well, you know, what can I do? Well, let me, you know, let me do this. But um, and actually, there's a whole different kind of um, uh, story of how I how I actually created Catchwords to begin with. Can I tell that? Can I? Oh,
0: hit me. Ah!
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Yeah. So. And why I want to share this is um, I think it's important to realize that sometimes you're on a path, you think it's the right path, and then when you, when it goes off, you get really frustrated, yeah. not realizing that it's a stepping stone to something else, right? And so when I first um, conceptualized uh, this texting platform, it was actually back in 2007, 2007, long long time ago <laughs>
0: I can still remember how the music yeah
1: yeah right don't
0: encourage me we're just
1: yeah we're just gonna be like duets um so so I'm at this medical conference there's like 35,000 people in attendance it's a huge huge conference in cancer treatment and um And at the end of the conference, um, they the people that were taking down the booths and exhibits and and such were collecting all of the marketing and education materials that weren't being that weren't picked up. And essentially, it was a pile of paper, brochures, articles, whatever. You're right. A mountain, literally a human climbable mountain. That's how I describe. I wish that day it was in June of 2007. I wish I had taken a picture of it because it was overwhelming, like as it collected. They actually backed in a full-size dump truck oh. into the exhibit hall to pick it pause, up. And
0: I pause, pause. This yeah. is, ladies and gentlemen, this is what can happen to your marketing efforts. It can be all going in a digital dump truck if you don't do it right. A-
1: exactly. Exactly. So so I asked the gentleman, I'm like is this a recycling initiative because it was so like a concerted effort to and he's like no we just throw it out because it's cheaper to throw it out than to send the materials back to the warehouse so i was like interesting so i thought when i was a marketer in the pharmaceutical industry because after I, i i was in in uh clinical care, I actually got my doctorate degree and then went into the pharmaceutical industry. And um, we would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on these printed educational materials. But I never I never measured how many of the materials came back like it it was it was just a sunk cost like, oh, send five thousand to that conference and ten thousand to that conference. Right. We do it on a smaller level with small business. It's like, oh, we'll print up one hundred brochures and we don't really know whether even if somebody picked it up, we don't even know if somebody read it, right? So I, being the nerd, I was like, and I'm like, this is a problem. Um, one, it's a total waste of money. Two, it's not eco-friendly. Three, when you're one of the people that are carrying the bag with all of the brochures and articles in it, like, you don't like it. Most of the time you chuck them because you don't want to deal with it. It's not that you weren't interested. You don't want to deal with it. So three-pronged problem. And um, so I really looked at it as an as an eco problem. And I said, you know what? Eco files. It's, right. it's eco-friendly ways of getting these files of information. And that's how I started even thinking about it. So it took me two years to figure out, well, how do I do it? Is it like, um, is it a QR code? Is it is it a thumb drive? Is it some sort of near-field technology? Now, this is back in 2007. So only 25% of the industry had smartphones back well, then.
0: That is going far back.
1: Yeah, yeah. And um, so we also had to think of something that worked for uh, what they called clamshell phones back then, right? The, or flip phones. I remember. Yeah, or smartphones.
0: I still have one here, like a, a burner.
1: <laughs> burner phone, exactly. <laughs> Now known as a burner phone, I'm not going to ask why you have it, Paul, but
0: <laughs> no, we don't, uh, don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> we
1: don't, but, but basically we came up with texting. We evaluated all these and we're like, texting is ubiquitous and any phone can do it. Um, global US, blah, 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 whatever. So it finally launched in 2009 and I'm there all proud. And I go to big pharmaceutical companies and, and I'm like, look, You could save millions of dollars on printing these materials. I told him my story, what I witnessed, whatever. And the response was, this is really intriguing, but only kids text. And I was like, but very, very soon kids will be texting their parents and parents will be texting their grandparents. So I used to actually have to spend 20 minutes just sharing um, stats on texting and to prove that people would text cuz more people were texting it in, in um in Europe than they were in the US actually I know
0: Japan was the leader in all of this the Japanese were doing it years before anyone anyway.
1: Exactly exactly do you know what changed it for us in the US what got more adults texting
0: I don't want to go there <laughs>
1: <laughs> No not that <laughs> What got more adults texting was American Idol
0: American Idol really
1: American Idol when you used to be able to text to vote Mm -hmm. well you still text to vote right that was the first time that adults even my mom older adults got into and exposed to texting and learning how to do it because of American Idol and that's when it started becoming like more commonplace Wow. But I was too early. So um, so I kept on trying, trying, trying. I couldn't find the innovators there. And I put it on the digital shelf. I literally was like, crap. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars. My consulting firm was doing pretty decently at that time. But I was excited about what I found. I spent hundreds of thousands of dollars of what could have been my money at that at that time i didn't i was single so it was just me but I, I really felt that this was transformational and my heart was broken i was like holy crap this sucks and um i continued with my consulting firm um and then that's when in 2011 um i was presenting and i had the opportunity to present I had presented before that, but I had an opportunity where I had to pay ten thousand bucks to to get Thank on stage. You. Been there, and that's what forced me. I was like, "Shit, you want me to pay ten thousand bucks?" And then I was like, "Well, wait a second. If I pay ten thousand, but I get really good leads, then it's worth it.
0: More than worth it."
1: And that's when I used EcoFiles. So, it was EcoFiles back then? It was literally dead, not being used. Um, and I said, well, let me see if I offer my slides, then I'll get mo- more than nothing. Right. And 25% of my audience texted that first time just for my slides. Now they were meaty slides, but just for my slides, 25%. Amazing.
0: See what happens when you're a, a visionary who's also data driven into a go with your. In- intuition but be driven by the data shape of the data wanda we unfortunately have reached the end of our
1: time
0: <laughs> to have you back on the show and i talked to you i unabashedly will tell you i'm a very happy client of wanda's um, she <laughs> deals with my whining <laughs> oh stop. i'm stop. the number one whining client you have tell <laughs> the truth i'm on top of the whiner list
1: No, no, because I I will, this uh, honestly, I mean, we spend more time because you're a a higher level client. So we, you and I spend more time together, but the frustration of speaking, getting speaking engagements, and then also just wanting to know that it, that uh, it's worth it. The, the frustration of staying afloat, creating some sort of consistent lead generation, as well as consistent closing of sales, like all of those things are what we're, we're all, you know, frustrated with. And, and so what I love is that for the people that love teaching like you and have a lot to give, I, I'm starting to realize that not only the tech, technology, but even my performance background really helps because I'm able to, um, you know, that I can lovingly tell you, yeah, you're, you're getting too technical. Like your audience is going to start like their eyes are going to start rolling to the back of their heads. Right. And, and, and so it, it comes from my performance background because when I'm performing, I'm very conscious of the impact that I'm having on my audience. When I'm delivering a song, I, it's for me, it's not about, me, I think if I feel a certain way, I'm going to emit a certain energy.
0: That's very true.
1: That is that people are going to respond to. And at the end of the day, I don't care if I technically did a great job on the song. I care more if I heard people respond, whether it's a comedic song. I tend to, to deliver very like emotional songs. That's kind of what I like to do. And I can hear people. Men go just <clears throat> when when they don't want to cry. I, right. I I notice right. So if I do like you know something super emotional, I could I can hear. It. I know the time, and then I know that I did the right thing. And so I'm trying to relay that to the expert to say, let's get out of your head and get into um, uh, the opportunity, the zone of connection. Right. And then that's where offering the catchword becomes really easy because you're not thinking it of it as like <laughs> a speaking of offering
0: the catchword oh offer yours again please oh <laughs> Ooh, you
1: were slick you were slick I'm um sorry. yeah but so remember this is if you are a speaker it um on physical digital stages if you do podcast interviews and such this is going to be the most valuable for you and these are the um the tips on how to transform your talk into a lead gen machine like the things that you should be thinking about strategically so that it not only Fills your heart, but it can also fill your wallet. So just text leads to four one one three two one if you're in the U S. and please provide your email address if it asks you. Um, but what and if not in the U S. If, if you're not, ta-da, ta-da, um, go to WhatsApp and you can uh, use the number one nine zero nine seven four one one three two one and you text leads and it and it should ask you for your email address too. And then check your email, of course. And read it, please, because guaranteed it would be valuable for you.
0: Wanda, I love you. You know,
1: (laughs) I love you too.
0: We should, you know, this is, uh, this is not like a slick professional show. I, I do have teachers and mentors and trainers and coaches and friend personal friends of mine. Come on, because I hope that's the tone we get. We're not a family show either. I heard you.
1: Oh yeah. Vectives, Sorry.
0: So that, <laughs>
1: You're like, great. I'm going to have to click that button. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> All
0: right. Thanks for being on the influencer's edge and for the audience. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks everyone. The Influencer's Edge is brought to you by the Invisible Influence Series. If you're ready to massively increase your sales by leveraging the power of subconscious persuasion, then make sure you text the word COMPEL to 411321. That's COMPEL to 411321. And if you're outside of the United States, then use WhatsApp and text the word COMPEL to 1. 909-741-1321. Make sure you put in your best email address because that's how we'll deliver the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to the Influencers Edge, where you get the latest breakthroughs, cutting edge insights, tools, and techniques so you can leapfrog over the pack in sales, influence, and persuasion. Remember to visit our website at www.theinfluencersedge.com to enjoy even more great episodes like this one. We look forward to seeing you again on The Influencers Edge Show.